0: If you brought your Bibles with you to church, please point your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. And if you don't have a Bible with you, please uh, grab one from the pew in front of you. Exodus chapter 20 will be found on page 61 of the Black Bibles. We've made our way to the ninth of the Ten Commandments in our series on the Ten Commandments. And so, as we have done with all the other Ten Commandments… I will uh, go ahead and read the entire passage and uh, pray and ask for the Lord's help in understanding this passage, and then we will spend 45 minutes or so working our way to understand this, the Ninth Commandment. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's pray. Father, we come to You through Your Son, and we ask that You would deal bountifully with us, and that we would live and keep Your Word. Would You open our eyes that we would see wondrous things out of Your law? For, Lord, this is not our home. We are sojourners in the earth. We pray that You would not hide Your commandments from us, Your testimonies are our delight. They are our counselors. Counsel us today. By this, your holy word. Amen. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness that breathes out lies, and one who who sows discord among brothers. Proverbs six sixteen to nineteen. This teaches us that God hates lying. Titus chapter 1 says that God never lies, because lying is contrary to His nature. Numbers 23 says that God is not a man that He should lie, or the Son of Man that He should change His mind. And it was Jesus Christ himself, Himself who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. God is truth. And what God says is true, His Word is truth. Compare this then with what the Bible teaches about the adversary, the devil. The Bible says he does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent tempted Eve saying, if you eat of the fruit that God has forbidden, you will not surely die. And surely she did die. The enemy lied. The ninth commandment of the Ten Commandments is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So, don't lie. And when you lie, you take sides with the enemy against God who is truth. And for this reason, the Bible teaches us Christians to put away all falsehood, to speak the truth. And from this commandment we learn that we are also to work for and to guard our neighbor's good name. And so, that's the big idea this morning. Since God is truth, put away falsehood. Speak the truth, guard and advance your neighbor's good name, and keep the Ninth Commandment." So we'll unpack that as we work our way through the Ninth Commandment. So we'll look at the Ninth Commandment from three angles, the same angles we've been using throughout this series. The Ninth Commandment explained, then we'll consider the Ninth Commandment broken, and then finally the Ninth Commandment fulfilled. So, let's get into it. The Ninth Commandment explained, there it is in front of you, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So, narrowly, the Ninth Commandment forbids what we call perjury, the intentional making of false statements in judicial proceedings, that breaks the Ninth Commandment. But broadly speaking, the Ninth Commandment also forbids every form of lying. And when you think about it, almost no one disagrees with the Ninth Commandment, especially if we're talking about being a trial witness. I don't think anyone out there is going to say that lying on the stand is a good thing. It's a bad thing. A few years ago, there was a man named Michael Reed, who live-streamed himself, ramming his car into a courthouse monument of the Ten Commandments. "'Freedom!' he cried into his cell phone as his 2016 Dodge Dart toppled the six-foot stone monument." Well, he was arrested. And if I were one of the police officers arresting him that day, I think I would have had a hard time not asking some questions. Like, the Ten Commandments, you want to break, you want, you want to topple the Ten Commandments. You want to bring down the Ten Commandments. So you want me, the guy with the gun, to not be held to the law that says, thou shalt not kill? And you want me... To be able to say whatever I want when I stand trial against you in court? Thank you, William Wallace. Well, I think Mr. Reed didn't want his country to be free from the Ninth Commandment. Or the Eighth Commandment. Maybe not the Seventh Commandment. Definitely not the Sixth Commandment. And if he has kids, probably not the fifth commandment either. Mr. Reed was willing to go to jail and to ruin his glorious dodge dart to set his country free from the other parts of the Ten Commandments. The the other parts of the Ten Commandments, like the part that says, there is one God, you are not Him, and you should do what He says. That's the part that Mr. Reed... Wanted toppled. But I've told you before that the first table of the law, the part that tells us who God is and how we as his creatures relate to him, are the foundation for the other parts of the law that tell us how we as creatures relate to one another. So the first part of the Ten Commandments, the first four, are the foundation upon which all the other commandments stand. They are like the four four legs of a table. If you pull one of them off, the weight of the table is going to topple the whole thing. Everything always starts with God and who God is. It always does. And as we have worked our way through this series, I hope that you have all noticed that the Ten Commandments, each one of the Ten Commandments, is built upon who God is. So, the first commandment, for example, says, you should have no other gods before me because the truth is there is only one God. The second commandment forbids false worship because as the one true and living God, the only God, He alone determines how He is to be worshipped. The third commandment tells us to speak rightly of Him because God is true and unchanging. and Because He is true and unchanging, we should endeavor to reveal Him as He truly is. The fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath, teaches us that God is our provider, that He does not tire in doing so. We tire, and as creatures, we should rest in His work and enjoy Him in all things. The fifth commandment, to honor our parents, reminds us that God is our authority, and in His good way, He has placed authority over our lives for our good, that we are not that authority and we submit ourselves to that authority. The sixth commandment forbids murder because God alone gives life, and therefore God alone determines when life ends. The seventh commandment preserves marriage because through marriage, God is going to reveal the glory of His faithfulness to His people. The eighth commandment, to not steal, is based on the truth that God is the provider of all that we have. And that we should be content with what we have, what God has given us, and that we should work to preserve and to protect what God has provided to others. Well, the ninth commandment just continues this pattern. For here we see that God is truth. God is perfect in all that He is, perfect in all that He does. He is self-existent, therefore He is self-sufficient. He depends on no one. He depends on no thing to be who He is and to do what He does. He upholds every molecule in the universe, and He does not get tired of doing so. He knows all things. He controls all things. He does not change. And because He does not change, He is faithful. Everything God is is consistent with everything that God does, and so... When God communicates Himself, when He communicates His will to His creatures, we call it truth. And there is only one true truth. So the phrase which has become popular today of live your own truth is a self-defeating statement. There is only one truth. God's truth is truth. And since God is perfect Because God is all-knowing, because God is all-powerful, because God is unchanging, what He communicates, being consistent with who He is, is true. And then when God acts according to that truth, we call that faithfulness. He said it, He accomplishes it, He does it, He keeps His Word. And when Christ appears in Revelation chapter 19, He's called by two names, faithful and true because what what He promised, He does. He is faithful and He cannot be otherwise for then He would cease to be God. So, here's what that means. It means that when your God says something, you can put your weight on it. You can lean everything on Him. You can depend everything on Him and on His Word. You can tell the truth, even when doing so loses face and risks your own safety. You don't have to lie to appear as if you're something that you're not to protect yourself from some hurt. Because God is your provider, you can put your weight on Him. You can keep the Ninth Commandment, and you can reflect His character as true. So, that's the reason for the Ninth Commandment. It reflects the character of God who is truth. Now let's consider some applications of the Ninth Commandment. Do you still have your Bible open in Exodus? Go to Exodus chapter 23. That's page 63 of the Church Bible, bottom right-hand corner. Chapter numbers are the big numbers. Right at the beginning, Exodus 23, You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many so as to pervert justice. Nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. Let's skip down to verse 7, keep far from a false charge, and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I, God, will not acquit the wicked, and you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. So God is truth. And truth in civil proceedings is called justice. God is just. And so God's people are called to be a people of justice. Honesty on the witness stand is essential to justice. The Bible required the witness of two or three people to establish guilt for a crime. And these are long before the days of DNA, security cameras, and everyone with a cell phone. So honest and clear testimony is essential to every civil society, especially then. And Since God is just, and since God wills to have a just society, He establishes a system of civil justice. In the English-speaking world, we swear on the phrase, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And we've been doing so for some, some time, something like the 12th century, 13th century. The ninth commandment establishes justice. The ninth commandment protects your neighbor and yourself from being falsely accused to the loss of their reputation or their property or even their life. So God gave us the ninth commandment to teach us to be like Him, to be a people of the truth, to build societies on the truth, just societies. And when we break the ninth commandment, we betray God's will. We betray that we are God's people, the people of the truth so, into the ninth commandment file cabinet go all kinds of laws in the Bible about truth, about honesty in dealings with one another in life and in business. And we would need an entire series of sermons to walk through everything the Bible teaches about honesty. The Scripture has a lot to say to us about truth in our words not lying, saying what is true. And so, for the next few minutes, I would like to consider just a few of those, but I would ask that you buckle in because it might get a little rough at times. This is the ninth commandment, broken. So, here are a couple of verses we'll put on the screen that God tells us about being a people of the truth. Proverbs twelve twenty two. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. Psalm 34.13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Proverbs 21.6, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. It was the Lord Jesus in Matthew 15 who said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, how many of those are in the Ten Commandments, all of them, and false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. James 3.14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Those of you who have read the epistle of James are no doubt familiar with his assessment of the tongue. James calls the tongue a fire, a world of unrighteousness. He says that the tongue stains the whole body and burns the entire life. He calls the tongue a restless evil full of deadly poison. Proverbs 18.21 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. With your words, you are capable of giving life and taking it, doing very good and doing very bad. And so that phrase that you heard as a child, that sticks and stones may hurt me, or whatever it is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, that is false. That is not true. For your own sake and for the sake of others, brothers and sisters, use your words for good. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. But only such as is good. My mama said, think before you speak, what I am about to say will it corrupt, or will it build up? Will it give grace? How did your mama put it? If you can't say anything nice, she was just being biblical, wasn't she? Ephesians four twenty nine. But among the most terrifying verse in the Bible stands Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, where the Lord Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Gulp. Every careless word. The word. The word careless means idle, thoughtless. So, brothers and sisters, for your own sake and for the sake of others, watch your mouth. The Puritan Thomas Watson wrote, God has set two natural fences for the tongue, the teeth and the lips. The ninth commandment is a third. Your God has designed your body with two ears and two eyes, and with only one mouth. James says, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so what is forbidden by the Ninth Commandment? Well, lying in court, of course, giving false witness, of course but really anything that sullies your neighbor's good name. The ninth commandment forbids speaking of your neighbor in such a way, whether it's in public or in private, that harms his or her reputation." Going back to James, James again, James 4.11, "'Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. When you speak evil against one another, church, you put yourself above the Ninth Commandment and you say, that law is bad. I don't have to keep it. I'm above it. You know how delicious is the morsel of revealing your neighbor's evil. How charming is the feeling you get from pulling someone down a rung or two on the ladder of life. As one theologian put it, we delight in a certain poisoned sweetness experienced ferreting out and disclosing the evils of others, close quote. Friends, nothing exposes our biblical illiteracy better than when we speak with certainty concerning sins about which we are not certain. And hardly anything brings reproach upon the name of Christ Worse than when his people slander one another and gossip about one another. Leviticus 19.16 You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Slander is a dark magic ruining the heart's of the innocent and unsuspecting. It's termites in the church walls. So, brothers and sisters, beware of the evil of gossip. It is a candy-coated toxin. You commit three sins when you gossip. You sin against God, You sin against the person about whom you are gossiping and you sin against the person to whom you are gossiping by lacing your conversation with the arsenic of discord and division and evil suspicion and pride. It is a wicked thing. And as people of the truth Ought we not to be the first people who say, I know this looks bad, but let's suspend judgment and opinion until we have all the information. As people of God, as people of the truth, we must be careful of formulating theories and speaking of situations with certainty when certainty about those situations has been placed out of our reach. It is God alone who is omniscient. He alone knows all. There are many things that you and I do not know that God has withheld from us. And as His representatives, we must trust that God knows and God will do right. Evil suspicion be damned. It is an atrophy to joy. It is a virus, and sharing evil suspicion takes the virus airborne. Conspiracy theories, which may seem innocuous and silly, if untrue, bear false witness. And break the ninth commandment. Christian, there are many things about which you can be sure that you can speak with certainty. God's word is truth. Speak of it often and speak of it with certainty. But if you speak with certainty about things that turn out to be false, you have undermined your own testimony to what actually is true. And now, I understand the desire to be and to have an inside track as to what's really going on in the world, but Christian, don't you already have that? In this book, you have the most inside track as to what's really going on in the world. So, speak of this with certainty. And just let the Lord take care of the rest. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. We have a stewardship over our neighbor's reputation. Even if your neighbor is someone you don't like. Even if your neighbor is a politician you don't agree with. Christian brothers and sisters, twisting someone's words, perverting their meaning, it's sin. Taking someone's words out of context and then using them as a weapon against them, it's wrong. It breaks the ninth commandment. Besides, if we're talking about brothers and sisters, I wonder if you've just... Those in this room already have an accuser. Why would you want to join him? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good and builds up and gives grace to those who hear. So let us all slenderers, gossips, liars, poor stewards of the truth, poor stewards of our neighbor's good name. Let us all turn to Christ. And so for the remaining few minutes we have together, let us all consider the ways that Jesus fulfilled the ninth commandment. So if you have your Bible, please turn to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. This is page 1,000 fifteen of the church Bibles. First Peter chapter two. I'm going to read verse twenty-one down to twenty-four as we consider the ways that the Lord Jesus kept the ninth commandment and fulfilled it. First Peter chapter two, verse twenty one, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. The worst violation of the ninth commandment took place when the Lord Jesus stood trial and witness after witness testified falsely against Him. And there He stood, sinless, silent, submissive to His Father's will, ready to suffer God's wrath and the just judgment deserved by sinners. He bore our sins in His body on the tree of Calvary in order to forgive sinners, to bring liars into right relationship with the God of truth. Christ died to save sinners from an eternity in hell and to grant them eternal life. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ today? So whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, I'm calling upon you to turn to the Lord today and to repent of breaking the ninth commandment and to lay the crushing burden of your lying at His feet and to ask the Lord to forgive you and to receive the free gift of His mercy. Perhaps you've done this before, and then you've lied again. Do it again. Perhaps the Lord has convicted you of of gossip, and you've repented of it, and then you've done it again. Repent again. Turn to Him again. Keep turning to the Lord, and be freed from the power of lying over you. But if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and for everlasting life, I encourage you to do that today. If you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to stick around. We're going to have a meal after the service today. Find a Christian in that room. There'll be plenty to choose from. and Tell them you'd like to become a Christian, that you'd like to be set free from the judgment of God for your sins. I know that they will talk with you, pray with you, even begin meeting with you to tell you more. This passage in 1 Peter tells us that Jesus bore our sins so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So, Jesus Christ died because we broke the Ninth Commandment, and Jesus Christ died so that we could keep the Ninth Commandment. And we keep the ninth commandment by looking to Jesus, by trusting in Jesus, and by following His example. So, verse 23, when He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten. But this is the key. But He continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. This is how you keep the ninth commandment. This is how you speak the truth in love to your neighbor. You entrust all things to God who is just and true. When you entrust your reputation to God, you won't need to tear others down in order to make yourself look better. You won't fear telling the truth even if it brings you harm because you you are His, and He is yours. He knows the future. He works all things for your ultimate good. And something that we all need to have written upon our heart is that your, our well-being is, in better, is better in His hands than it is in ours. That our well-being is better in His hands than it is in ours. Because He knows the future. Because he knows it perfectly, because he knows the present and knows it perfectly. He is faithful. He is true. He gave you his word. His word is truth. You can put your weight on it. And like your Savior, you can entrust yourself to the Lord and speak the truth. And I am zealous for you all to know the glorious bliss that comes from faith-fueled Innocence, the freedom that comes from not having to be omniscient and know everything. Does Christian love, which Paul describes as it believes all things, it hopes all things, does that kind of Christian love make you gullible? Yes. But happy is the man and the woman whose faith rests not in what they know, but in what God knows. Did that girl mean to hurt you by the thing that she said to you? Maybe. Maybe not. God knows. He's got you. So let's not rush to conclusions. Should you believe that brother when he says that he's not sleeping with his girlfriend? You should, until you have reasons not to. Because didn't your God promise that our sin will find us out? That everything that is done in darkness will be exposed to the light? He did. And so you can cancel the stakeout and put away the disguises. And you can sleep well. God is truth, and we are His people, a people of truth. Does that mean that we won't confront sin in our membership? Of course not. We need to confront sin within our membership. But we don't need to go through one another's trash and hack into each other's cell phones and read our text messages to find sin. God will bring things to light, and when He does, the Lord has given us the instructions on how to deal with it in Matthew 18. Keep it small, you keep it private until you can't. The Bible calls us to be a people of truth, a people who rejoice in the truth, a people who put away falsehood. So let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak. And when you speak, speak of what you know is true. Speak good words. Encouraging words, words which, which build up, which fit the occasion. Words which give grace to those who hear. Words that protect and promote your neighbor's good name. Words that keep the ninth commandment. Proverbs 16 says that gracious words are like honeycomb. They're a sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So, if there are six things that the Lord hates, then it stands to reason there are six things that the Lord loves, seven which are a delight to him humility, truthful words, hands that protect the innocent, a heart that plans righteousness, feet that run to do good, faithful witnesses to the truth and one who sows unity among brothers. Let's keep the 10th commandment and the 9th commandment and be a people of the truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess before you our sins, our breaking of the 9th commandment. You see all, you know all. You see all the ways that we have lied and broken the 9th commandment. We are exposed before you, but we have failed to love our neighbor and to work for his good name. We've sought to bring him down just a little by speaking half-truths, speaking lies, evil suspicion and conjecture. We have sowed disunity among your people, dividing what you have united. And we have incurred your just wrath for doing so. Please forgive us. For our tongue is a fire. It is a world of unrighteousness. We lay our words before you. Sobered by your son's warning that every careless word will be judged. So Lord, have mercy on us, your people. Forgive us of this evil and cleanse us of this unrighteousness and make us like your son in whose words were life where there was no deceit found in his mouth who did not revile back when he was reviled but like a lamb was led to the slaughter silent entrusting himself to you To your will and make our speech this week to be full of encouragement and grace like honeycomb sweet to the soul health to the body guard our lips and through our lips bring praise to your son in his name we pray. Please stand to your feet for the assurance of pardon, brothers, if you can come up to sing the final song today, one that we need, amazing grace. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you have this assurance from God's Word, you can put your weight on it, that if you abide in my Word, Jesus says, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Brothers, lead us in a song.